Hello, welcome to another All Saints conversation. I am Brock Bingaman. And I'm Connie Willem. Today we are going to continue our conversation about spirituality. I really enjoyed talking last time because I feel like even as we talked, I got some things sorted out. Let's hear about it. Very useful. Okay. I think I was kind of struggling with this word spirituality, which is in the title of All Saints, the name of All Saints. And we see it used in so many vague, random ways. So it helped me to say this spirituality is not just, ooh, I'm spiritual. But we're actually talking about a lived experience of our life with God, the actual experience, encounter, and practices of our life with God. Did I get it correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Life in the Holy Spirit, life with the Holy Spirit. So you're right, it can be very vague. We saw it could be kind of silly, it could be appropriated in a New Age context, but that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about Christian spirituality. Learning to fellowship, to walk with, to live life in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Christian spirituality is about. And that's what the we're looking at this in Scripture, but we're looking at it in the Christian spiritual classics. These people are talking about their relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we're looking at them and saying, they've gone before us, Yes. therefore they can, they can mentor us and show us the pathway. Yeah. You know, one of the first times I came across someone really doing that, that struck me. I was a young woman, and I even forget where I was when this happened, but I was somewhere, who knows where, listening to Elizabeth Elliot speak. And she um, had a lot of depth. Her husband had been a, a martyred missionary in, um, what was it, Ecuador? Ecuador yeah. I think it was Ecuador. And so I was listening to her speak, and she started talking about her mentors. Hmm. And I remember thinking, huh, who mentored Elizabeth Elliot? And then as I kept listening, she, I realized she wasn't talking about people that she knew she was talking about authors that she read and had never met. Mm. And mm. that these people had mentored her. And this thing went off in my head of, wait a minute, I can be mentored by people I've never met? Mm. That's okay? Mm. I can read these people who've gone before and they can mentor me in my walk with God. It was like a, a little window opened up into... Um, an area that I didn't know because I didn't have mentors at that point, And it gave me almost permission to go, I can look for mentors. Yeah. This is a way of getting mentoring. Hmm. From a good Protestant like yeah. Elizabeth Elliot. So I learned from people that were kind of one-on-one with me. Mm-hmm. And I have also learned from people that I have never met and won't meet until I get to heaven. Well, why don't we talk about two today that we're going to discuss briefly. Two from very different time periods, but they make for pretty interesting conversation partners. Wouldn't it be fun if we could like bring them, you know, we could have them sitting here with us. One day. Yeah, one One day. One day we will. (laughs) We'll get to. And then we need a translator so we could all understand each other. So one is a French woman. One's a French woman, uh, Madame Guillaume, Jean Guillaume, and her dates are 1648 to 1717. And the other is? The other is John Cashin, and he lived a great deal earlier. 
so he was born in 360, and I think he was born in like the Bulgaria, the Eastern European region. Yes, they think so. Yeah. yeah. So we're obviously he's a long time ago. We probably don't have his birth certificate. We don't to look at. <laughs> and we're not going to go there. <laughs> we're really so not going to get it. He died around yeah. 435, but he yeah. also did a lot of traveling. So we've got a desert father, John Cashin, and we've got a French. Catholic mystic Madame Guyon. Some vast differences between them, not only in time and geography and things, but there are some striking parallels between these two people. Mm, so we yeah. want to talk a little bit about these two great, ordinary, powerful saints from the past that have touched many lives. And people are still learning from today. That's right. That's right. So why don't we talk a little bit about... Do you want to start with Cashin or Guillaume? Let's start with Guillaume. Okay. Um, and I always need a little bit of, I don't know, context for mm -hmm. them so they're not just this random person out there. Yeah. So she, my goodness, she had a difficult life. She did. She um, had a lot of moving around in her childhood. Mm -hmm. She was married at age 16 mm -hmm. to a guy 22 years older than her. Not a good plan. Not a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a very difficult marriage. She mm -hmm. was never happy in it. Mm -hmm. And then she was widowed and lost two of her children when she was age 28. Mm -hmm. So here's this woman who, by age 28, has spent years in a very difficult marriage. She's lost her husband. That might have been good or bad. Who knows? Right. But she's lost two children, which is... There's nothing good about that. Mm -hmm. So she's experienced loss and disappointment and heartache and grief. And here she is at age 28. Mm -hmm. And she, through all of this, becomes a woman of deep prayer. And you can read her autobiography and see that in that pain and suffering, she's seeking Jesus and gets to know Jesus in her pain and and these things. So she writes some beautiful writings, and one of my favorites is this book here, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure women and men today have no problem understanding that when your life is marked by so much sorrow and suffering, mm -hmm. you are searching for something. And so the it almost does turn you toward this desperation for God of, I have to find something. Mm -hmm. And so it did turn her to this place of searching for God. Mm -hmm. And she went into this place of prayer. And thankfully, she writes a, an autobiography mm -hmm. so we can read about her and it contextualizes and it personalizes things. But then thankfully, she also wrote her own insights into prayer. We were laughing at the subtitle. So the title <laughs> of the book is Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. And it's formerly entitled Short and Very Easy Method of Prayer. And then there's an additional <laughs> subtitle, which I think is rather beautiful. There's something tender about this, which all can practice with the greatest facility and arrive in a short time by its means at a high degree of perfection or maturity. So this book, which is really only about 120 pages, is to help people learn a simple, accessible method of prayer that puts them in living contact with Jesus himself. 
And unlike a lot of books written in that era with those long subtitles, <clears throat> she actually really means it. It is simple and accessible. In there, she talks about um, slowing down to get all the meat and marrow out of what you're reading in scripture, just getting all of it out and then letting it sink into you. Mm -hmm. And she has this wonderful picture, very practical, that it's not slowing down to let it sink into you. It's like taking wonderful food in and chewing it and never swallowing it. Mm -hmm. And she's saying, you got to swallow. You got to swallow the scripture. Yes. Chew on it one bite at a time. Less is more. Don't read two or three chapters. Take little small units, a part of a psalm, and pray it. Yeah. And she has this beautiful image that we talked about, being like a bumblebee and really working down into the flower Mm. and drawing nectar and other nutrients out of it not skimming over the flowers, but really being like that little bumblebee going down into particular verses, particular words in the text. So she has this wonderful thing that she says here, praying the scripture is not judged by how much you read, but by the way in which you read. Hmm. If you read quickly, it will benefit you little. You will be like a bee that merely skims the surface of a flower. Instead, In this new way of reading with prayer, you become as the bee who penetrates into the depths of the flower. You plunge deeply within to remove its deeply, deepest nectar. Can I go on? Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. (laughs) Of course, there is a kind of reading the scripture for scholarship and for study, but not here. That studious kind of reading will not help you when it comes to matters that are divine, To receive any deep inward profit from the scripture, you must read as I have described. Plunge into the very depths of the words you read until revelation, like a sweet aroma, breaks out upon you. I am quite sure that if you follow this course, little by little, you will come to experience a very rich prayer that flows from your inward being. Thus, we see why someone like her resonates with so many people and is read by so many people. Someone gave me this book 30 years ago. I was at Precept Ministry as a 17-year-old doing Bible study. And there happened to be a woman of prayer who lived on the grounds. And she gave me that book. And it changed my life. What did you start doing? Well, I started praying the scripture. Not just studying it, not just reading blocks of it, not just kind of skimming over it, but I began to do what she's instructing in these pages right here. So it was simple enough that you looked at it and went, I can do that, I can and do you that. did it. At 17 years old, she introduced me to praying the scriptures, and then she talks about beholding the Lord in scripture. So you begin to train your mind and train your senses and learn to turn from distraction, turn inward to where the Lord dwells, Christ within you, the hope of glory, and there to meet the Lord. And it's just a revolutionary form of prayer. And then she talks about beholding the Lord. As you begin to do this as an exercise, as a discipline, you come in contact with the presence of God. And she calls it beholding the Lord. Now, this this thing of turning inside to the presence mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit within you, was that a strange thing for you when you started doing that? Yeah, I think it's a paradox. On one hand, it's 
strange and weird and she urges you to not look out there in the cosmos or not to search for the transcendent God, but to turn inward where Christ dwells. And she reminds us time and time again. So on one hand, it is strange, but there's something very natural about it. I think I began to discover, not really knowing, I was made for this. Hmm. Like I'm wired for prayer. Now, do you think you were wired for prayer just because you had this special kind of prayer thing? Or are people wired for that? I think human beings, we are praying creatures. We're meditating creatures. And some will say, no, I'm not. And I say, yeah, you are. So this is where I talk to people about worry. How many Mm. of you can lay in bed at night at two in the morning and worry? Worry about a wayward child. Worry about a relationship that's broken. Worry about a bill that you can't pay. You lay there and do what? Meditate. So I believe that we are wired to meditate. And Guillaume is teaching us a way to meditate on redemptive things, to meditate on scripture and to encounter Jesus in that moment. I'm going to jump a little bit sideways into the other guy in our conversation, John Cashin. Yes. Because at one point, as he is seeking out um, somebody to mentor him and his friend in how to pray and how to be with God, one of the monks teaching him has this great example right along these lines. Hmm. And the monk who's doing the teaching says, look, it's like a mill that's going to grind um, wheat into flour. Hmm. Your mind is like that. It's always going to be grinding away at something. Hmm. So you have the choice to feed it wheat or to feed it junk um, weeds. Hmm. But it's hmm. going to grind. It's gonna so grind. the choice is, what are you going to feed it? What are you going to put in there? And are you going to... Get it the good stuff or the weeds? So here, there is a similar connection. You've got two people living, different time periods, different places. Their mentors are different. They're from different traditions, and yet they come to the same conclusion. The Holy Spirit is teaching both of them that you meet God. You meet Christ. You meet the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. And so John Cashin's whole theology, his whole theology of prayer is to find Christ in the text, that you interact with the living word in the written word. And I think this goes back to that definition of spirituality that I was struggling to sort out as we started to talk. Mm -hmm. There is a way of reading the Bible that stops at, it's a mere practice. I'm just reading, I'm going through but both John Cashin and Madame Guillaume are saying, no, this Bible is a doorway mm-hmm. into the life of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And she talked about it of going deep like a bee into a flower. Mm-hmm. How did Cashin talk about going into Scripture? Looking over your shoulder, we have an icon of the Mount of Transfiguration. And so in Matthew 17, the gospel tells us that Jesus took three of his friends with him to go pray. And there they climbed up the mountain and Christ was transfigured. He, the glory of God was emanating from him and his face. And John Cashin says that prayer is like going up the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and encountering him there and seeing his glory 
like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, to see the glory of God from the face of Jesus, but you also find yourself being transfigured or transformed along with Jesus in this moment. And he says the way you do it is through the text. So I love the picture, but I have to admit I'm listening and remembering that I was reading the Psalms this morning, and I'm thinking, that is absolutely not what I experienced. Mm -hmm. I really, what I was reading was meaningful to me, and I was kind of diving into it, but there was... Got to be honest, there was no amount of transfiguration. So this is the beauty of reading these different people with different experiences, different languages, different symbols. We need all of them. So someone may really gravitate toward, resonate with a bumblebee. Someone may resonate with the meal metaphor that you gave. Meditating on scriptures like chewing food and ingesting it. Someone else may really be attracted to climbing the mountain with Jesus where he's transfigured. And these are just three Mm, from two people. Within each one, you know, they're each probably giving us several hundred images. So as we read these classics, we're able to fill our minds with insights and practical wisdom from these people. And frankly, I think we need lots of them for different seasons of life. And what I'm recognizing as we talk about it is that each one, they're kind of groping for words and pictures and images to try to describe very similar things. That's right. Life in the Holy Spirit. Right. The exercises, the disciplines, the challenges of that. And so they are, they're struggling. I heard someone say at the leash of language, you know, they're, they're mm. trying to find the right words to describe it. Paul says the same thing. Yeah. He has experiences in God and he says, I, I can't, it, at times, it's, am I in the body? Am I out of the body? I can't, language, can it's him difficult. Yeah, he's yeah. wrestling. Yeah. So I think it, all of these images are helpful. What I would like to do if we could is maybe take a verse and just sh- show what this would be like. Oh, absolutely. Could we do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of diving into it. Yeah, diving into it to just take a verse or two. Yeah. And to show... Only if you can promise the Mount of Transfiguration. (laughs) No big promises at all. But I think the combination of a beautiful invitation to the slow, difficult, challenging work of meditating on the text, but knowing if you give yourself to this day in, day out, through the hard times, the good times, it pays off. You can't hang out with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the Word of God, without it getting in your bloodstream, without it transforming your mind and heart. There's no way to do it. We will be transfigured. Uh, And I'm going back to that quote from Guillaume that I read. I am quite sure that if you follow this course, little by little you will come to experience a very rich prayer that flows from your inward being. In the midst of the mundane, Mm. the boring, the difficult. And quite frankly, the modern, in the the midst of... Explain that. Well, these people lived so long ago that it's very easy for me to think they're just talking out of an age that I cannot access and Mm. I can't relate to. They didn't get in their car and they didn't drive around and they didn't go to the grocery store after work and their cell phone wasn't constantly going off. Mm -hmm. They were in these deserts and monasteries and I don't know. 
So I need the reminder that things from their world can translate into mine, Mm -hmm. that the modern does not, um, we're not so different. Yeah. Even though there's this modern overlay. That's a great point, Connie. Yeah. Could we take one? This would be an example. I think Cashin and Guillaume had favorite passages. One of John Cashin's favorites, which I love, it actually becomes like a compass or a rudder for him. As he studies the scriptures, he loves Psalm 70, verse 1. Oh, interesting. I was waiting to see what you were going to say because I didn't know what passages was going to be. And it, there's a paraphrase of Psalm 70, verse 1, and it's, Help, Lord. Help. That's it? That's it. Help, Lord. Now, well, that's a good paraphrase. It really is. It's, uh, God, come quickly to deliver me. That's Lord, what the verse the, says. Psalm 70, verse 1, literally says, God, come quickly to deliver me. Lord, come quickly to my help. Mm. And so Cashin said that that verse applies in everything that we do in life. Whether you're working, you're doing manual labor, you can pray and turn to the Lord and say, help me, Lord. Help me in this moment, whatever. My mind is wandering from you. Help me forgive this person. Help me do good work. He said it also applies as you're studying the scriptures. Help me, Lord. Help me understand. Help me help me meet you in the text. I mean, just he said it is the most applicable prayer that we can find in all of scripture. So that was a favorite of his. Mm. And so I've tried that. I've tried Psalm 70, verse 1, and found some real richness to it. So I, there's a, a passage, as I was reading Madame Guillaume many years ago, I just found myself going to John 15. John 15 appears in her writing. So the, the teaching that Jesus gives on the true vine and the father is the vine grower. And Madame Guillaume would weave in John 15. And so I think her model, her method of prayer and Cashin's method of prayer, John 15 would be a great place to work through verse by verse. If this interests you, take John 15, 1 through 15, and maybe chew on a verse a day. Could you just give us a verse to chew on? Yeah, this one is hard to beat right here. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So we have three little phrases there. I learned to pray these things out loud. So I would like to pray that out loud. I would read this out loud. As the Father has loved me. Father, how much did you love Jesus? Mm. Would you open my heart to even understand what that is? Father, you loved your son. It's like the... You're the most amazing parent, and you love your your kid. You love your son. You want to lavish. This is the son at his baptism that you said, you're my beloved son. I'm well pleased in you. Well pleased with you. And so we're we're trying to enter into that kind of, and so praying that. So we're letting our minds linger on how the father loved the son, son. and we're talking it as we do it. And then the next phrase takes us into that. So I have loved you. So Jesus, the Father loves you. And now you're turning to me and saying that you love me in that same way? And just meditate out loud. Lord, what do you mean by this? 
chewing on these two. We're meditating on Scripture and we're turning directly to the Father, to the Son, keeping in mind the Son indwells us through the Spirit. And then thirdly, abide in my love. You could pray that the whole day. You could, Mm. Lord, help me today to remain or abide in your love. Lord, the the anger, the frustration that I'm feeling toward this person right now, would you help me abide in your love? Tenderize my heart mm. right now. My heart is uh, growing bitter or cold. And I, help me remain in your love. You love me like this? And being childlike before mm. the text. So we've got one verse yeah. with three little phrases. And that is enough to chew on and ingest all day. And everything that's written here is actually, it's a command, but if it's commanded, it's a promise. So behind this, Jesus is saying, you can abide in my love. You can remain in my love all day if if you will practice this. So both of these people of prayer were doing this kind of meditation, encountering Jesus, the hard work of it. It doesn't come easy. This isn't something that will download into our life over three or four days or a week. This requires regular exercise and practice. But you're, even as you're talking about that, the regular exercise, the deliberate part of it, is that tension in spirituality of we dive into relationship with a very deliberate practice that's not always easy. But what we just did is both practice and relationship. Hmm intentionality and rich experience and that's that's spirituality in action that's right that is spirituality in action and this is the kind of thing precisely that we want to invite all saints students into i want us to be able to experience it together enough that it goes in and becomes something that people can move more deeply into and that sustains them in the very difficult time. They practice in a simpler time. It sustains them in the difficult time. And we will get to do that, Mm. not just in our class on spirituality and formation, but all the way through. This is going to undergird everything we do. That's right. That's exactly right. And the beauty of this, Connie, is that it's accessible for everyone. Mm. So if you want to learn more about All Saints. You can check out the website at allsaints.center. And if you'd like to get the names and maybe a little bit more information on these people we've been talking about, there'll be a couple links there as well. So if this all sped by and you say, wait a minute, who was that again? You can check that out. It's allsaints.center. And we'll look forward to talking with you again. Thank you, Connie. And thank you for listening. 